Welcome to Podcast Therapist, presented by Virginia Family Therapy. I'm Sarah. I'm Caroline. And I'm Amanda. As three family therapists, we know how hard it is to feel like you're being the parent you want to be while juggling everyone's needs. We specialize in helping families just like you during the long days of multitasking and constant searching for the bar of success. Our podcast mixes expertise, real life advice, and embarrassing stories. Whose embarrassing story? Let's walk through this together. Welcome to Podcast Therapists, brought to you by Virginia Family Therapy. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Caroline. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Caroline. Hi. We're all in the same room again. This is fun. We haven't done this in a while. And we're allowed to be in the same room with masks off because, and I don't know how I feel about it yet. Like, I, I don't think anyone really does. Like, everyone's feeling very confused about what to be doing. But I will say it feels good to be here with Mass Off with you all. It feels so good. It feels safe. Except the rules right now are all very confusing. I don't know what to do ever. No, never. I'm like, do I wear mask, no mask, mask, no mask? Well, we wear masks with our clients still, so because so we haven't completely wiped it out in our practice, but... It is a little confusing out there. And yesterday, I actually was purposely not wearing masks because I had a client who was so anxious about wearing masks that we had to practice, right? So there's so much change in the air. There is also a little anxiety and rage in the air. (laughs) We're rageful. Oh, wait, that's just Caroline. (laughs) Yeah, guys, I don't know what's happening. My pandemic rage is back. (laughs) I don't know what's happening either. We're going to figure it out. It's going to be fine. But I do think there is another big change, which is like my clever segue into the amount of drinking that is going on as it gets warmer. And we're like, maybe that's why you're Rachel, actually, Caroline, is like, maybe it's like hangover rage. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I have actually been really good about sticking to my days that I'm drinking and not drinking. That's good. That is good. That's an excellent strategy. Mm -hmm. Although now it's like more of a (laughs) yo-yo. Highs and zeros? Yep. Well, that's fine. That's fun. It is fun. But it's interesting. I think it is like so, especially with my age group and my friends, like it can just snowball so quickly, right? Like I, if I am social more than three times in a week, then I'm drinking more than three times in a week because almost everything I do whether it's going out to dinner or meeting up with friends or going to a vineyard, like my social life revolves around alcohol. So here's the thing I'm going to say about that. Mm-hmm. It's not your age group. <laughs> it's like, it's not, right? True. And that's True. like the point of this podcast is how do we as adults talk to our kids about our drinking? And I texted Sarah like one night, like I have a genius podcast because it was, it was like right after I'd been to a wedding Um, And so there was tons of celebratory drinking, like tons of just drinking like you do at a wedding and my kids were there. And then the world was opening up and like you're at vineyards, you're at parties. Drinking has already increased so much through the pandemic. I was like, this is like a crash course in adult drinking, like right here in the month of May. And now it's June. So I don't know what to do. Plus, now you can sit at a bar. Right. In, in Virginia, <laughs> like right? you're now that is your age group because I can't group, sit yeah. a bar. I mean, I can, but I don't have the opportunity to. I think the difference in age group too is the recovery. Like your age group still recovers quickly. Yes. My age group watches what they drink because I don't of think I've recovered quickly since ever. <laughs> 
Well, I think we also live in a place, we live in a beautiful area and we have a lot of vineyards and a lot of breweries. And I think that also lends itself to the fact that social gatherings are in those locations around here. Absolutely. And I think that, so my oldest son is 10 and I think Caroline, you alluded to the fact that when you're younger, like you just drink a lot or like, like a lot of things revolve around drinking and then you have your kids and it's Mm -hmm. easy for them to not notice. And then I think once they hit like eight, nine, 10, they start noticing. And all of a sudden we have to start having conversations about it. And we have to figure out like, what are the things that we want them to know and to understand about it? Well, and even with my two-year-old niece, she'll try to like, you know, I was with my sister and things like that. And she'll try to like take a drink from me. And I basically go like, oh no, that's Leany juice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so that's Lini is what she name. calls me and so then she like every cup she picks up she hands to me and she goes like leany juice leany juice and Aww. i'm like okay it's not all leany juice but okay no i think that you're you know both of you are kind of saying or kind of explaining that you're talking to a child about alcohol i think there are people who don't choose to talk about alcohol or drinking with their children and i think the three of us as clinicians think that it's actually a better idea to absolutely this issue, right? Yeah. And I think that the way, so Sarah and I tried to do this podcast together, just us last week, and we were all over the place because essentially we have so much to say about it. Um, and I don't, there are not any podcasts really that are out there about this. And I think that it's a question that tons of adults, my age, I'm 40, like we all have it. And so we're actually going to break it down into two or three podcast episodes to help explain it to you all. So I think the very first one today is what does healthy adult drinking look like, right? Because we think it's okay to talk to your kids about it as long as we have our shit together. So let's take a minute maybe to talk about like, what does that look like for adults who drink and socialize? That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the CDC says that for women, one drink a day is healthy. That's within the realm of normal. Mm-hmm. So seven drinks a week, one drink a day. For men, it's fourteen drinks um, a week. Yeah, I they're allowed to have more. I thought it was were they allowed to have fourteen in a day? I mean, they probably can actually. Yeah. The way like all that stuff works. Do we need to define what a binge is too? Like what binge drinking is? Because I the number is it. way lower than yes. you would anticipate. Yes. So I think last I checked, it's four drinks for a woman and five for a man. Yeah, it's one sitting, right, in one evening mm-hmm. or day or whatever. Yeah, and this isn't like four margaritas. Right? <laughs> this is like, like four large margaritas, Caroline. <laughs> I can't even. <laughs> We're listen, no shame. Here no, like, I know. No shame here. Well, and but that's the thing, right? Like I can go out and drink two margaritas and be like, oh, I only had two drinks tonight. Okay, well, quote unquote drinks amount of alcohol, I've had way more than two drinks mm-hmm. tonight. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's actually important for us to say, like we are living in a world, at least where we live in Charlottesville, Crozet, there's a lot of social drinking. It's a very beautiful area. There's a lot of socializing around athletic events, vineyards, breweries, like the world is opening and we're all really excited about the world opening. Well, and like the pool serves alcohol. Yeah, sure does. Yeah. The playground with the bar. 
<laughs> just kidding. Yeah, that's good. I was always disappointed going to swim meets when there wasn't a bar. But. Yeah, that's why I go to Fry Spring Beach Club. I'm just kidding, guys. I've actually, but this is the thing. So in this space, anybody listening, we want you to know there's no shame. There's the train. Um, there's no it's shame. shame <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's coming to me. But there's no shame and nothing to be embarrassed about in this moment. Like we want you to know, like there's no judgment as we're talking about it. Like we're, we're all in this society too. And so I think it's better to be open and talk about it and really ask questions because it's actually really important. And I think our town is like very academic and intense and high achieving and people work really hard and people like let loose. Yep. I right. That's probably true. Yeah. It's a work hard, party hard town. It's You're a right. university town too. Yeah. So there's that culture. Yeah. So I always like, I have to check in with myself about this all the time, y'all, because it's really important to me. There's alcoholism in my family and I'm a social drinker. Like I went to UVA as an undergrad. So I was I, a major, right? And yeah. And I was, I was good at it. <laughs> That's the only thing I did well at. <laughs> but so it's something I check in with myself about all the time. And I also check in with a lot of the parents that I work with about all the time. And and one of my hard and fast rules is kind of like, you need to make sure your alcohol use isn't getting in the way of anything that's really important to you in your life, right? Like, you might be having three drinks a night. And well, that's a lot of drinks a night, actually. But like, it, it can't get in the way of something important, like your relationships, like your job, like your health. That's a pretty standard barometer to me. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, day day of drinking and day after drinking also. Like, oh, that's I a good point. People don't realize how long the impact of alcohol, alcohol is a depressant. So if you're also if you head into drinking in a certain state of mind, it exacerbates that same state of mind a little bit, which is you know why drunk girls cry. But I think also, like, if you are, you know, for a lot of folks that we see that are, that are depressed and they're drinking, they're actually feeding their body with a depressant all the time too, Mm -hmm. which counters anything else that you're doing to try to make it better. But so I think it's also not just that night, but it's the next day. So if it impedes like getting up early to exercise or it impedes getting your kid to school on time or, you know, whatever it is, then then it's a red flag moment. Yeah. And I I think it's good to like be specific like that because I think sometimes we don't think like, oh, it's not impacting my relationship, right? But maybe like my emotion regulation when I'm drunk just isn't as good. Mm -hmm. And so knowing like if I'm more irritable, how to, you know, how does that impact either my relationship with like my husband or with kids or with some something like that? So I think thinking about it and like very little pieces, right? Yeah, that makes total sense to me. Because I do think there's like the night, say, let's just give like a Tuesday night, right? Like not a celebratory night, but like a Tuesday night. If you're having enough drinks that you're a little snappier, or you are a little like slower to get your kids to sleep, right? Which is something that totally happens. And it builds up over time, right? Like you're constantly getting your kids to sleep late or you're constantly running out in the morning first thing because you're like always slightly hungover and having a hard time getting out of bed. Those those experiences do actually add up for kids and their experience of their home life. Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. true. What I think something that Amanda and I have talked about a lot is I have a rule. I live alone. I like don't drink at home alone. 
to me, living alone, being alone, I feel like that could be like a slippery slope of, oh, like have a glass of wine while I cook dinner and then I'll have a glass of wine while I eat dinner. And then like suddenly alone, I've had a lot of wine, right? And so I also think it's like knowing what context you're drinking in, right? So I really purely only drink with other people. But most of my mom friends are like, there's nothing better than having a drink when you're home alone. Mm -hmm. And when your kids are out of the house, like nothing beats it. (laughs) I um, I don't. I mean, I guess I had those rules. I hadn't thought about it. So you said that. But I think I, when my daughter was young, I and my partner traveled all the time. So I didn't drink when I was the only parent on. Mm-hmm. In case, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then I also, if whenever I have other, if I'm in charge of other people's kids, mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really important thing Always. to think about, actually, mm-hmm. yeah. is especially now when we're thinking it's like two drinks or like on a Tuesday night, when you're in charge of someone else's kid, you have to be thoughtful about that. Because yeah. I do think, I think two drinks is probably really easy to get to for a lot of people. And we have to stop and think like, am I in charge of, it could get in your way of relationships with your friends or your kids' relationships with their friends. Absolutely. It can. I mean, there are times too where you're helping a friend out, right? And you're watching a kid or watching their children or whatever. And if for whatever reason, the kid observes something that makes them uncomfortable because they're just not used to it. And you kind of have to think about this. The other thing I wanted to ask, like when you're thinking about drinks, um, is the amount like, so... I know that I had a grandmother that lived to be 104 and when, and she was um, definitely, I think she was actually almost preserved by the alcohol she drank. When she finally had to go into care, um, we had to have a doctor's note written for her wine, her glass of wine, which honestly looked more like a fishbowl. But um, (laughs) when I, I actually had to measure how much wine she was drinking to have the prescription written. And I was stunned because I hadn't thought about it. I had just, you know, in charge of her care. And so I'd pour glass that she yeah. usually used. I wasn't thinking about how she was actually drinking until I had to measure it. And I was like, holy shit. Like this woman's actually, I think we did probably preserve her for a few years with that alcohol. But I mean, I think that's part of it too. Like when you're, when you're saying it's easy to take, get to do drinks. Yeah. If your wine glass goes down and you're filling it five times, is that mm-hmm. one drink or five? Right? Like, yeah. And so, and I think also, Caroline, that goes to what you were saying about you have a rule about not being alone or mm-hmm. not drinking alone. Part of the reason pandemic drinking increased so much is because there wasn't this barrier. Like for yes. me, my barrier has been like, I'm at work until five. So I right. I can't get to the wine class until 5.05. Again, I'm kidding. Right? <laughs> she means 5.02. Yeah. But so now all of a sudden 5.02 is like, you're always in front of your refrigerator. Yeah. And so there was so much more access, especially for people that are in the home and there's so much more stress. They've done studies and the drinking really has increased across the board. In women, it's especially. Specifically in women. You can also order alcohol, right? Like to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You can do that before, right? Not here. Not in Virginia. Yeah. Perhaps. I mean, I love that. Like, like, yeah, like cocktails. You can get a nice cocktail to your to front go. porch. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can get a really lovely jumbo margarita. You were talking about those frozen margaritas, I Sarah. I love them. They're like my favorite. <laughs> it took Sarah like four days to get it through it, though. It took like four or five days to drink it. But I, <laughs> I paced myself. Yes, no, I mean, exactly. Like, it's it, you, it's now accessible, right? That's accessibility. Yes. That's the issue. And. And what I noticed too is when I am being social, I am like on a high right now, mm-hmm. right? Like 
I'm an extrovert. I love that. And so I just like get excited and it's almost like you're doing everything for the first time again. And yes. like, it's like when you have a college reunion, right? And the first night you and your friends all get together, everyone drinks too much because you're celebrating and you're excited. And then you're like, oh gosh, the next morning. But I feel like there's almost that feeling with everything right now. Uh-huh. Because, like, everything feels, like, new and exciting and shiny again. And so I can also see that side of it, right? Like, yeah, there's so much more access at home. And going out is, like, more fun yes. than it has ever been. Yes, yeah, 100%. Absolutely. And so, again, I think as long as adults are being healthy, we can do it in front of kids. And we should talk to kids about it. So I think one other thing with kids, as kids are more social, like during the pandemic, if you got drunk, you were at home and your kids were at home. So you're not driving anywhere. Yeah. Right. But if your kids are starting to go on sleepovers again or your teenager is going out, you as a parent need to be with it enough that if something happens and your kid gets scared and wants to be picked up or your teenager needs you to come get them. You're it's right. It's like important to be able to drive. You're 100% right. So there are all these changes happening. So what does actually... We need to be modeling healthy drinking behavior, right? So that's super important is modeling healthy drinking behavior. So what does that actually look like as an adult who is social, lives in a town where there's tons of drinking going on? What does that look like? Tell me. I'm kidding. So I think one of the things that that kids can tell, I don't think kids are kind of just know automatically what is healthy, but I think kids can always tell what is not healthy. Right. Mm-hmm. And drinking. And, and so I think when kids feel like kids will worry and be anxious if they feel like someone's drinking too much or they don't seem like themselves or something's happening. So even young children pick up on those kinds of signals And I think to not address it can really create a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. Um, And to talk about healthy drinking gives them something to understand and grasp onto Mm -hmm. and be knowledgeable about and also for themselves. And we'll talk about how you talk to kids about it. But I think what you're saying is like when, and we all see this all the time, we have kids who come in who when there's like a, change in the adult's behavior, even kind of a small one, kids might not know it's about drinking, but they sense the shift in the behavior, right? Like yeah. they'll be like, oh, I remember the first time my, I noticed my mom was like super, super wasted. And it was, I was at my aunt's house, I was upstairs and she and her sister and all their friends were like cackling so loudly, having a ball downstairs. I didn't know what it was, but I felt uncomfortable because there was a dramatic shift in their behavior. Mm-hmm. And that is what makes kids worry. Well, kids like things to be predictable. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Okay. So we're saying the big shifts in behavior, even small shifts do make kids a little bit stressed out. But what does healthy drinking for the adults look like? I think number one is safe driving, right? You have to be safe and you have to be making safe choices around driving. And there has Mm -hmm. to be one adult in the group. I mean, even if you're out with your significant other, I mean, if one chooses to drink more than the other, but just communicate that. So both of you are in the same situation, obviously. I mean, it's what we tell our kids all the time once they can drive, but it's important that that the parents and the adults do the same thing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, and as your kid gets like, we will tell our kids that as our kids get older, right? Like, because they know enough to be like, 
oh, so-and-so had a drink, they shouldn't be driving. So we'll talk about who's drinking and who's driving. I think there's a difference between having a few drinks on a Tuesday and celebratory drinking, right? Like, I do think, I don't know, what do you guys think? Do you think it's okay for kids to see adults celebratory drinking, like at a wedding or... I think, I think it's healthy. I think when it gets messy, we don't necessarily need yep. to keep your kids in the environment. Mm-hmm. Like if you're aware enough of what's happening and like if you're at a family wedding or something and you see that, you know, Aunt Susie's about to, you know, take a header because she's just too wasted to walk around. <laughs> I think it's time to take the kids away <laughs> from that. But I think, you know, in that sense, I think the adult has to stay the adult. The adult has to be the adult in the room and still keep the kids safe from that. But mm-hmm. I think the just a happy, celebratory, like responsible drinking, absolutely. But stuff like that happens. And the adult, again, the adult who is in charge of the kids has to at least be watching for some of that. That makes total sense to me. So as a parent, when I bring my kids to a wedding, I'm not getting like totally shit-faced. And if I see someone else get totally shit-faced, I would take my kids to the hotel room. Like right. this just yeah. happened, right? Yeah. And if I wanted to get totally shit-faced, I would take them to the hotel room with a babysitter and then come back to the wedding. Like right. they don't need, they can be around for cheers and they can know people are having a little more, like no one's driving here, but also people aren't like crawling on the floor slobbering or something. <laughs> oh, what kind of weddings do you come to? I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. Sounds like one of my family. Is that <laughs> it's like Aunt yeah. Susie over there. No, yeah, Aunt Susie took the header. She hasn't gotten up yet. <laughs> well, and I think the other thing is that like, yeah, weddings are fun. They're like an event, right? And learning like, oh, my parents can have fun and they can be drinking and that's okay, right? Like yes. they can be having fun and it can be safe. You don't want to do like wedding drinking on a Tuesday night. No. Now, do you want to be doing wedding drinking? It's it's easy here, guys, to be doing wedding drinking like three nights a week. Well, there are events at all these places. I could yeah. do wedding drinking every night if I, I wanted, could too. if I yeah was looking for it. I would it, be able to get up if I could recover. Say. Yeah, I would have trouble. Um, but there's so many events here, right? Like there's music by the pool, there's music at the vineyard, there's Fridays after five. How there's Carter's Mountain on Thursdays. Absolutely. Yeah, there's also there's so many things. So to me, I try to actually again, it's hard. I try to be thoughtful about not revolving my social life around drinking events because I think there's like an image that the kids get with that, right? Which is if we go to a vineyard on Thursday and a brewery on Friday and then like the wine tasting at like, you know, at the pavilion, it's really easy for us to not remember that our kids are seeing it all through the lens of what is the actual activity there, Mm -hmm. right? Because the actual activity, what we're saying is drinking is the activity. Yeah. I mean, drinking is a sport, I think, and for uh, for some folks. Yeah. And, it, and I think you have to make the decision about that, whether you want that to come across for your kids and stuff in that way. And what about the things where it's like, it's another activity, like listening to music, but drinking is a huge part of it? I think, again, that comes with communication to the children as well. Like, and we'll talk about that. But I think the other side is... If you are centering your entire social world around drinking and every event you go to is drinking, and Caroline's now looking. <laughs> I'm like, just tell me more, Sarah. I you think- don't drink at home alone. You're, you're, yeah, you're, you're good. Um, you're just never home. <laughs> I'm home a lot. 
I mean, like, I'm thinking we don't go out that much, so our drinking is at home. Yeah. Probably more by my age. Yeah. Because like, we go out a lot less than you do, so we're, we are drinking at home. Hence my jumbo margarita. But, I mean, I think the other thing is, like, then make sure they're balancing events that don't have drinking. Like, what? What are those events? Because I can't think of <laughs> PTO events don't have much drinking. <laughs> do the kids go to that, though? Like workout classes? Like what are the other events that people go to without drinking? But I mean, you take your kids on like hikes yep, and you don't true. drink during that, yep. right? And soccer games, yep. and, right? Like any event that I think is centered around the kid. Oh, that's a good point. Yes. Isn't usually a drinking event. Maybe it's swim meets, but those things are like 18 hours long. Yeah. yeah. Try to get through that. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter was probably three or four before we had a birthday party that didn't have drinking at it. Yeah, I haven't had one yet. Um, no, but, but, other, I think, but I think the other thing too is like we can talk about like going out and drinking, but it's also like growing up, like my parents had a glass of wine at dinner at home mm-hmm. and that felt normal. Mm-hmm. And like I remember going to other friends' houses like for sleepovers and stuff and their parents wouldn't have a glass of wine at dinner. And I was like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> yeah. I think there's this piece is that you want to have a range and a balance, right? Like that is the piece is you don't want to be having celebratory nights every night. And you, if you are a drinker, then the chances of you having zero drinks in front of your kids is never, but you want to have some, right? Like you do want to have some nights where you have zero because I think that's actually what's healthy for your body. Mm -hmm. And I like to just test it out, right? Like, I like to just, like, check myself and say, like, I'm not going to drink for the next X many days just because I want to, like, know that I can do it and it'll feel good. And I don't know. I don't know if that's healthy or not, but that's what I do to just say, like, yeah, I'm not going to drink until Friday. Yeah, I think that's super healthy. I think another thing that's very confusing to kids is if you say that you're not drinking and you are. I was just going to say the mixed messaging is difficult for kids, actually. So I think you have to own what's happening. Like, I think you can't play that game with your kids where you talk about not drinking, but you still drink. Is that what you mean? Or I more meant like you have like a cup and your child says like, oh, "Oh, what's in there? Yes. And you lie. I mean, I told my niece that it was leany juice because she's two. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just now like a funny thing. But at a certain age, like, it's not fair, especially if there's going to yeah. be a shift in your mood or behavior to say like, oh, no, like, that's just fizzy water mm-hmm. when it's a vodka soda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because then it's secret drinking and that's a whole different mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, like, we're talking about mostly social healthy drinking. Yes. But... There is a range of very unhealthy drinking. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're concerned about your drinking, I think it's worth talking to other people about that, like professionals or, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, I think, and I may be wrong, but I think with AA, when you first go in and if you were questioning your drinking, one of the things they suggest is, can you hang in there with just two nights, two drinks a night for six months? Mm -hmm. I think there's, there's some sort of time period and then amount of alcohol to kind of watch. But I, I think there are lots of ways to be unhealthy with your drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're Can talking- we talk about that, actually, though? Can we talk yeah. so that people have, like, a marker? Sarah's the, been the most seasoned clinician here. So she has... I think you have, like, very good markers of unhealthy drinking, good right? Good stories about... No, yeah. Um, I think secret drinking. Yep. I joke about day drinking. I think 
being aware of what that is. I think when you're drinking during the day, there are some concerns, especially if there are things you need to accomplish, like we talked about, that can be a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the secret drinking isn't just secretive, like drinking alone in the pantry. It's like sneaking, you know, alcohol into your water bottle and attending all the functions that you're supposed to be attending. And mm-hmm. It's just not being very honest with yourself, truthfully, about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think if you notice that everything, well, if you notice there's some sort of need, real drive to drink in the sense of, I mean, I don't, I say that and obviously we've all felt that at different times, but I mean, like you have to get home to get your drink or you you grab a six pack on the way home because it just makes you feel better or you mm-hmm. just feel like you don't feel normal unless you're drinking. Mm-hmm. That's when it starts to be an issue or a problem for, for most people. And I think like if you're raging at people, it changes your mood dramatically. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If it, yep. If you're blacking out, like if you don't remember things, I think yep. If you're blacking out, if they're problematic, to me, if there's like, even, just losing mm-hmm. time at all. And I think if there's a big event um, it's worth having, like, if there's a big event involving you as an adult drinking, it, it's probably worth talking to a therapist about. Absolutely. If you're an adult and a responsible human and you're functioning in the world in a healthy way and you have something that comes up that creates concern about, you know, like some way that you behaved at a social function, mm-hmm. or if you're maybe even doing a lot of social avoidance and drinking, or DUI, the DUI is a huge red flag. I mean, even not even getting to that point because you have to get caught mm-hmm. with a DUI. But even like if you are putting other people's children or your own children in the car and you're driving and there's part of you that doesn't think you should be or someone else questions whether or not you should be, it's probably time to reach out and talk to somebody. Yeah. I also think like if you're just having a lot of emotional consequences, like if you wake up and you're like hungover and really anxious or really irritable or depressed it's just the next day mm-hmm. like it may not feel like that big a deal but if you're drinking a lot and you wake up more and more anxious every day that's a lot i mean i say this as a clinician and i think you guys would agree none of us prescribe drinking as a coping mechanism. right like mm-hmm. you're never gonna talk to a therapist who goes oh you should totally just drink your guts out during this really difficult time. Mm-hmm. So the other part is, you know, if that's, if, you know, most of us aren't recommending that it's probably not a great idea if mm-hmm. things are really stressful to rely on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people do tend to have a little bit of insight around that. And here's the thing y'all is like, I can imagine there's someone out there who's listening to this. That's like, Oh, a lot of this is ringing true to me. Like there's some of this that I'm hearing and I'm like, Oh, some of this is ringing true to me. Right. Like I'll just be honest. And I think that's Okay. Because what I think we want you to know is that number one, you don't have to go to AA. I think there's tons of fear in going to AA because you're worried you have to go cold turkey. And that's actually not the truth, right? There's so many ways to continue to drink socially and alone, if that's what you want, where it doesn't, it doesn't impact your relationships and it doesn't get in the way of your life. You just have to be planful about it. Mm-hmm. And so for those people that are listening, like curious, Really, you could just call a therapist or call one of us and and we would be like, okay, let's talk about it, uh-huh. right? Like genuinely zero judgment. You hear us talking about where we're at with it. I think the thing to remember about alcohol too is if you are drinking a lot, um, alcohol is not something you just stop. It can really kind of throw big shockwaves through your system. So it is helpful to work with a professional to talk about cutting back and how to do that and having a strategy for that. 
you can actually detox from heroin in your living room. But if you are a heavy drinker, you have to go to the hospital to detox from alcohol because of the organ, mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. how it impacts your organs. And, and I think a lot of people don't realize that they try to stop and it's very difficult. And that's not really the method always to use. Mm-hmm. For some people it works, but mm-hmm. not for everyone. So also it's, it's, it's worth getting the support and the help and asking for that. And, and I think ultimately like, Part of what you're we're saying is we have systems that keep us in check, right? Like Charlottesville is this world where it's so easy to just drink all the time. And so we all create our systems that help us because like I said, I've thought about this for a long time. Alcoholism mm-hmm. runs deep in my family. So I have a system that I, helps me stay in check. Caroline, your system is to not drink at home, right? Part of my system is I give myself a certain number of drinks a week and I plan it out. Like I also... When I'm going to have a day of like, like I know that I'm like going to vineyards and then we're going to do something after I like cap the number of drinks I'm going to have. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just cap it because yep. like there's just no reason to drink any more than that. <laughs> yeah, and it like, <laughs> like there's just not. And it forces you to like be thoughtful. Like when it's hot and it's, you know, it's like really easy to go to a vineyard and like drink a lot of rosé. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's like, oh, it's hot. Am I just drinking this because it's cold? And I'm hot. I could chug a bottle of water instead, or like go inside and get a soda yeah, water. Yeah, right. I mean, or like Diet Coke would probably taste great. Yeah, it would taste <laughs> delightful, right? But so even just like having and does it work perfectly every time? No, but does it help most of the time? Yes. Mm-hmm. And a therapist will help you come up with whatever your plan is, right? So. For you, Caroline, you've come up with your plan and you're saying it doesn't work every time. But if you have big things at stake, like your kids in your car, having a therapist to help you stay accountable might be might be really useful. Mm-hmm. Because when it messes up, when you mess up, which inevitably we're all going to mess up at some point, hopefully not with your kids in your car, but we're all going to mess up at some point with our number. Then you just sit with someone, you say like, hey, like, how come that didn't work? What can we do differently next time? And then mm-hmm. that just feels better. Mm-hmm. Someone's on your team with you because it's important. It is important. And it's and you can drink in a healthy way. You can also go to a therapist and just say like, this is what my drinking looks like. Am I okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you think? People have said a lot. I think. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I also don't. We're, we don't want to be fun killers, right? You don't need a drink to have fun. But we don't want to be fun killers either. Like, we clearly understand there are some social functions to drinking. There's a reason why people do it, you know? And and so we would prefer people to have that on the table if it works for them too, you know? Mm-hmm. So we will come back next week and talk about how to talk to your kids about adult drinking, um, which we're excited to do. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to your kids about Aunt Susie. <laughs> <laughs> she was breakdancing. It was amazing. You mean Laney Juice? <laughs> um, okay, thanks, y'all. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.